Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. And hit me with them. Uh, yes, Facebook is live, I believe. I've, I've, I have every reason to believe that Facebook is live and Instagram is live. Got no reason to disbelieve that. And um, yeah, so uh, this is me. I've got a crawler and I've got a caption on Facebook. Don't have that facility on Instagram, but anyway, um, never mind. I'm a professional. I will rise above it. Styano's my name. Plastic surgery is the game. Any questions about plastic surgery or lockdown 2.0, then please feel free to uh, ask away. Although, to be honest with you, I think we've got quite a lot of lockdown 2.0 covered with these questions because I've got about five or six questions and about four or five of them are lockdown 2.0 related. But anyway, what we've got, uh, I've got to try not to overlap <laughs> because they're all pretty similar. But anyway, let's drag it out and see how we get on. Um, in the light of the second lockdown, will my GA surgery still be going ahead? I feel slightly... Oh, oh, I've got my phone in the way, haven't I? Um, slightly sort of um, bad. Oh, my book. I'll get my book in the shop. Slightly bad because... There you go. There's a book there. Slightly bad because I haven't got any... Oh, God. I meant to get an email out. <laughs> I meant to get an email out onto my mailing list about the um, about all this, and I haven't, and I feel bad about it. But I will email out my list in uh, um, at some point about all this lockdown 2.0 issues. But the specific question: Will GA surgery still be going ahead? GA surgery has been significantly affected by coronavirus. Full stop. So even once lockdown 1.0 finished we were struggling to do GA surgery, although have just started doing GA surgery. And I have done a few cases and I've done some today, in fact. And um, so we are we are just starting. But nevertheless, it is strictly, it's quite limited the amount of GA surgery we can do in general, not because there's any safety issues, but mainly because of the um, accessibility of the hospitals because the private hospitals where I would normally do the GA work have been taken over by the NHS and that is going to be they've been saying since lockdown 1.0 that will be the case till Christmas and now that it looks like the cases are getting um, worse quite frankly um, it might be that that might be extended I don't know they haven't told me that'll be extended but that is an issue um, so GA cases are affected by the coronavirus in general but in terms of the um, lockdown specifically the everything I mean <laughs> I'm going to ask for all five questions in one go but basically we are not going to close this time last time we closed we're not going to close this time uh, we are remaining open. Um, it's a medical facility and med medical facilities and work is being encouraged to carry on going as long as you can um, do it safely. We're quite lucky in the clinic because it's quite small. Um, the throughput of patients we have, we have uh, one patient at a time. 
and so therefore we quite um we're quite good on distancing uh we've got you know obviously all the ppe and um we will screen you before you come both with a questionnaire and um, when you arrive and so we have got quite good procedures in place to carry on working so we are going to carry on working and so you the clinic well, i'm going to answer the other questions so the clinic is open um but and and, and ga cases are, are going to be uh, still being done albeit in a limited fashion and you know we're looking at other places to do ga to do ga cases but um elective work is still going on elective work meaning planned work which you know during the first lockdown elective work was cancelled and um and it was only urgent work and now elective work is going on during this lockdown so that that is a slight difference from a medical standpoint that we are doing um procedures so ga surgery is still going on uh, during second lockdown don't panic and the other thing i've said to people who have done surgery on um not to worry about follow-up and uh aftercare that will not be affected because if you have any issues if you have any problems um after your surgery then that is a medical issue and you are perfectly um, um reasonable for you to come to clinic and and we'll see you and we'll you know if you need a dressing or if you need any advice about your wound don't think you know you can't come out you must still come i mean contact us we're doing everything we can by um non-contact that we can do by non-contact but obviously um, procedures and surgery quite tricky to do non-contact <laughs> um but i'm sure the day will come you know uh and that leads me on to my second question which is will minor ops at the clinic be cancelled due to lockdown and i know and i do feel bad uh, if this helps you i do feel bad because we had quite a lot of emails of people saying i'm going to have my procedure on thursday and can i have it on wednesday instead because of the lockdown and you know um and what have you um tracy's in the house looking forward to seeing you on thursday too tracy um hope you're well hope you bring your feet up um so what was the question for minor ops yes minor ops will be uh will not be cancelled sorry will not be cancelled now um there's two things with the uh, coronavirus and with the covid there's from our side and from your side so from our side they're not be cancelled things aren't going to be cancelled but uh, and minor ops are not cancelled we will be doing minor ops during the um during the lockdown um but if you don't feel comfortable and if you don't you know want to come out because of you know because of everything fine that's perfectly reasonable and we can definitely postpone it and there'll be no penalty um with that so we can definitely postpone your surgery if you feel that you you um don't you don't want to come um and i would completely understand that and there would be no problem with that with your minor op or with your ga procedure if you want to postpone your uh, procedure what, whatever type of procedure it is then you are perfectly um at liberty to do that with no um 
uh, sort of penalty, um, and that you know we can either postpone it to another day, day, or you can have a refund, no problem. But from our side of things, at the moment, and it is a moving thing, isn't it? Um, at the moment, um, clinics and medical facilities are staying open um, and seeing and treating patients. So that is the state of play. Are you still, you see, maybe we should have started off with consultations then moved on to minor ops and then moved on to um, GA. But anyway, we'll do it in reverse order. Uh, sign of a professional, you know, can take the questions as they come. Are you still doing consultations at the clinic? Yes. Now, as I say, we're trying to do as much as we can virtually. So we are encouraging people to do, to do it virtually. To be honest with you, from the clinic's point of view, nothing has changed from from for lockdown 2.0 because post lockdown 1.0 we were pretty stringent with what we did for people when they came to clinic therefore we are okay during this second lockdown um be because we have measures in place to distance ourselves and to screen patients um, and to use PPE. So we got measures in place which will allow us to continue doing consultations. Having said that, and this was the case before, we are encouraging people to, to do virtual consultations where they can, whether they do it like this, we have a chat like this with a virtual thing, or just on the phone. We can do phone consultations, we can do video consultations. Um, but if you feel that you want to come to clinic or and certainly if you've got a you know something to show me or one of the doctors scar or something and or you know we're checking up post-op from your surgery and you want to come to clinic or you're pre-op and you're thinking of having surgery you want to try on the sizes and you want to um, go over everything in person that is also fine and those consultations are going ahead at the clinic and uh, same about the minor ops. If you don't feel comfortable coming, totally understand it. And you want to postpone it, totally understand it. Um, you can postpone it, no problem at all. <clears throat> Will there be more complications and risks with procedures with COVID-19? Should I postpone my surgery? Good question. Thank you for that question. Um, jury is, well, is the jury out? What I'll say is that there is some evidence to suggest that if you have surgery and you go on to develop a COVID-19 infection, you will have a worse outcome than if you hadn't had surgery. So there is an, an argument to say you should postpone your surgery. Having said that, when you look at the, the when you look at the work they did to get come up with that uh, that data the patients who were getting the bad outcomes were quite ill, uh, if you like. ASA probably means nothing to you, isn't it? Um, it's, the grade, it's an anesthetic grading, meaning how ill you are, and they're sort of ASA two or three, which means they've, they've, got Ill, they've got other problems. They've got other medical problems, and they're having longer operations. So, um, and to be honest with you, most of the surgery that I do is the patients don't often have other uh, um, medical problems, and they and I don't do them that long. In fact, we are curtailing the length of the surgery because of this. So we're cur curtailing it to uh, uh, four hours. 
because of this, because they're saying if you do longer operations in ill people and they then develop COVID, there is an argument that either they may get a worse outcome than if they hadn't had surgery. So, um, so we are, as I said, we're already doing measures to, to reduce the length of time of the surgery. So we're not doing operations that take more than four hours. And we would tend not to do surgery on people who have got other comorbidities. Um, and so, so certainly if you're ill, if you've got other medical problems or if you've got medical problems and if you are considering a longer operation, then there is some suggestion that you might have a worse outcome if you were to develop, uh, to develop COVID-19 following surgery than if you had developed it and you hadn't had surgery. Um, <clears throat> a question is, do you ex can you extrapolate that to people who aren't ill or haven't got comorbidities and having shorter operations? And, the, you know, the evidence not isn't there really for that. So, um, but the bottom line is, so there, there isn't evidence to say that you should postpone your surgery. And if, if, if there was evidence, we wouldn't do the surgery, to be quite frank. Um, but the bottom line is, if you want to postpone your surgery, because this is an unknown thing, this is only you know been around for a relatively short period of time so we don't really know what the effects are um, if you want to postpone your surgery that's absolutely fine and there's no problem with that uh, we just personally i have found it to be extremely busy and um i think a lot of people want to have surgery because they're naturally at home it's a good time to recuperate um and i totally understand that and um um you know, as I say, we've got measures in place to perform the surgery safely, both in terms of your safety, um, in terms of you developing the COVID, but also, you know, me and the staff, our safety, because obviously we don't want to get it, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't want to go either way. So, but, um, but we've got pretty good things in place. Sheryl Dash E. Bradley. That's annoying, Cheryl. Did you get? Did someone else get Shirley Bradley, and you had to put a dash there? Um, yeah, uh, type one diabetes is uh, is a comorbidity, Shirley. So you have an ASA grade of one, two, three. So one, um, there might be four. I think four is like you know moribund, really ill. Three is like loads of problems. One is nothing, and so yeah, one is nothing. So you'd be two. I think I think that would make you two. An ASA too. So yes, Shirley, type one diabetes is a comorbidity. Um, so uh, it, I mean, it's not a significant comorbidity. But, well, depends on which way you look at it, but it's, it it does increase your risk of infection, um, and um, and it's something that we would have to um, factor into account. Uh, the people in that study who had the worst uh, outcome with COVID uh, had more than just type one diabetes. They had more comorbidities and they were having longer operations. Um, but it does sort of put you up. You know, you're you're at a you're at a higher risk level, I guess, than someone who hasn't got type one diabetes. Um, uh, no, I'm a nurse. Can't put identify by name. Oh, so Shirley's not. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, all right. Um, okay. So. Um, yeah, so type one diabetes would, be, but but having said that, uh, Shirley, having oh well, if that's not your name, um, Cheryl, we'll call you Cheryl. Um, if you're having surgery, uh, you can still have surgery; it's fine. Um, and 
uh, the, if I if I had type one diabetes, I'd probably be more worried about the risks of infection and um, and um, you know getting everything healed up. That's probably more of a risk than the COVID related risks, and so therefore you have to make sure your um, diabetes is maximised before you have the surgery. And there are things we all do. We'll put you first on the list. You know this probably if you're a nurse. Put you put you first on the list and. Um, um, and uh, make sure your your sugars are controlled, and then um, I presume that you want to probably you know get you back on your insulin after post op. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've done that one. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, Shirley. So if you think how surgery, should you postpone surgery? Mm, you know, it's up to you. But I, I don't think the significance are. Oh, it is my name. It's just not as easy to find if I just... <laughs> okay. All right. I like it, Shirley. I should be J dash J, J exclamation J, J, J hashtag J, hashtag ask JJ. Um, no, I shouldn't be that. Um, will, oh, God, where are we? So, so uh, will I be able to change my follow-up consultation to a phone call instead? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest with you, are these really questions or is these just the people in the clinic? Is this just Megan and Vicky putting making these questions up? I don't know. Anyway, um, I'll answer them anyway. Yes, you will, Megan or Vicky, or if someone, maybe someone did answer ask this question. Yes. Yes, you can. Um, and you can do that anyway. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for it, isn't there? We did quite, you know, I was really busy over the lockdown doing all these virtual consultations on the phone and the video calls. You're saving on petrol. Um you know, you're saving on time. You don't have to drive to the clinic. And obviously, if you've got no problems, if you're just having a follow up and you've got no problems and, you you know, just say, look, you know, yeah, we'll do a phone one. And if it, or if I've already seen you in the clinic and it's just a sort of follow up to, to go over what we discussed, then a phone one is really good or a video one. Um, similarly, for the um, for initial consultations, a video one is good because I can do a screen share. I can share my screen and show you photos, and we can talk about a lot of stuff on the video chat, which would reduce the length of time you're at the clinic. And so, yes, you you should, and we are encouraging people to doing to do that to have um, phone slash video consultations when um, possible to um, to reduce the um, contact. Reduce the contact. Donna Lewis Quinn. Is that you, Donna? It's, Hi, sorry I missed you last week. I didn't know you were on Facebook, Donna. I uh, heard it went well and you were very well behaved. See you next time. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. Yes, Donna. It was amazing, Donna. It was amazing. And can we have more, please? Um, I'll have to get Sally to uh, get on the blower to your people so uh, we can get some more dates in. Uh, Donna, I'm going to get my people to, to uh, wrap with your people and we'll see what we can do. Um, Kim and family on the Instagram. Hi, what's best, please? Drains slash no drains after a tummy tuck, please. How do you answer that one? Um, the problem with this stuff, Kim, the problem with all this stuff, this plastic surgery stuff and, you know, all sorts of, sur you know, or particularly plastic surgery, to be honest with you, a lot of plastic surgery, it's like someone saying, what's the best implant? You know, is it best to have drains or not to have drains? Well, the fact of the matter is, Kim, some people use drains and some people don't use drains. 
So the people who use drains think it's best to use drains, and the people who don't use drains think it's best to not use drains. So there's no best. There's good and bad, and we've all got our views on it. I do use drains. I, I still do use drains. And I use drains because there's a space for the tummy tuck, and I, and I want that space to close down. And so I, um, I use a drain, which is a suction drain. It's under negative pressure to help close that space down. Now, I do also do quilting to help close that space down. And to be honest with you, the drainage is, is not that huge. Um, when they first came out, this no drain thing, um, when that first came out, it was people using glue and uh, using fibrin glue, injecting the glue in the space to, to, to stick it down. I never really embraced that. I have done it, but I never really embraced it personally because I was worried about shear. And also you have to be very quick closing the wound because the, the wound is, is you've got to stitch it up and keep the glue in place quickly. So you have to use something like that. You have to use these barbed sutures and things like this because you have to, you have to, you haven't got much time to, to close the wound because if you, if the wound's sort of gaping open and you're just slowly closing it, there'll be shear. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, so I didn't like that. I didn't like having to quickly close the wound and it, and I didn't think, and I was worried about shear and I was worried about seroma, which is my, my worry with the glue. Um, now, as I say, I am quilting. And quilting, I think, might have mileage as to, because I know some people are quilting and not using drains. There might be some mileage there. And sometimes you've got to sort of take a bit of the leap. I took the leap with the breast reductions. So I'm using drains a lot less with breast reductions. Breast reductions, we used to use drains routinely. Uh, used to use drains routinely for breast augmentation. Stopped that a long time ago. But I'm still using it for tummy tuck. I think the movement is away from drains. I'll be honest with you. People don't like the patients, don't like drains. But I think they're doing a good job in tummy tucks. So I use them. But you'll find an, another surgeon who's very good who will say, well, I, you know, don't use drains for these reasons. And if they get good results and I get good results, then, you know, just, uh, Kim, my advice is choose your surgeon. People, it's like the breast implants. People, what's the breast? Which one should I have? Under, over, this and that. I'm like, choose your surgeon. Don't worry too much about the breast implants, the, you know, the actual breast implant you have. Don't worry too much about whether you have a drain or not. The thing that's going to give you a good result or a bad result is going to be your surgeon much more than whether they use a drain or not. So uh, that's my that's my advice on that one. Uh, melanin, uh, 0161 Melanin, catchy name. Do you do BBL? um now i'm i'm gonna say that's the brazilian butt lift and no i don't melanin i'm afraid i don't do buttocks and we haven't really embraced it in this country buttocks i've got to be honest um i think some people have i think some people have um because there was a bit of an outcry god was it last year i think it was last year um because there was a few um fatalities with brazilian butt lift overseas um, in terms of fat, the fat injections into the buttocks. And so the BARPS, the uh, Plastic Surgery Association, um, said we shouldn't be doing it. And there was a bit of, I think there was a bit of an outcry. So people must have been, I was like, yeah, fine, I don't do it anyway. So it didn't really, you know, um, didn't affect me. But I think I think there were some people in this country who were doing it. So I think they were a bit, um, a bit disappointed in that because they felt that it can be done safely and there's certain measures you can take to do it safely. But we're not really full on and as far as i'm aware 
that is still in place that uh, uh edict that we shouldn't really be doing brazilian butt lift or at least not with fat grafting um because of the risks associated with it um but it's not really something i've ever done melanin i'm afraid so um sorry i can't help with that kim i want to come to you but you said i'm far away i said you're far away did i well, go go closer to home, Kim. Who's where are you? Where where's um where's far away? Did I recommend someone then close to you? Try to think. Where are you? Um. Anyway, where? Yeah, it's always good. It's always good to mind you. I'm doing surgery far away these days, so can't really practice what I preach, can I? But I've got to do surgery where I can. So uh, it's this crazy world we're in. Dear oh dear um my private journey i had trains with you jj they weren't a bother look at that i don't even know who my private journey is but my private journey had trains with me well my private journey did you there you go well that's good to hear my private do you mind if i call you my private um people don't like them though my private i think the feeling of them coming out is not very nice um but thanks for saying that and i and i you know and and uh, I don't think they're I don't think they're sort of that bad, but um but some people oh five days ago. Oh right. Oh so I can work out who my private journey is then. Right, okay. Um oh well there you go. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that they weren't bad coming out. You obviously had the expert nurses uh dealing with them. Good good job that I didn't take them out, eh? Because they I think they wanted me to take them out, didn't they? And I recoiled in horror when they suggested that. Um oh that's good. That's good to know. Um so Kim and family, Cardiff. And yes, you recommended someone. Hugh. Hugh. Uh, H-I-E-W. Uh, Mr. Hugh. And also uh, Anthony McQuillan is in um, Newport, I believe. So um, lovely people. Cardiff's not too far. But but yeah, there are good people down in Wales. I mean, anyone in Swansea. Swansea is a great unit. Um, yes, it was weird. I think it's the feeling when they come out, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think no one no one realizes that. Let's be honest with ourselves. No one likes it. Uh, I I acknowledge that that's not a nice thing. I do acknowledge that, but I do think they do a good job. Fionn Hughes, hi there. Do you do lollipops? Lollipopos? Lolla? Lolly? Lollipos? Lollipos lift with reduced scarring and mini tummy tuck. I am micro pigmentationist. Wow, and terrified of the scarring I usually see. I didn't like it. Oh, sorry. That's that's Tracy. Oh, Tracy didn't like it. All right. <laughs> we got a balance of opinion there. Okay. So my private journey thought it was all right. Bit weird. Tracy didn't like it. Yeah. Sorry about that, Tracy. Um, yeah. Um Theon. So um yes, I do both of those things, Fion. Mike, uh, lollipop, lollipops, lollipops lift with reduced scarring and mini tummy tuck. So basically, um, the the thing here, Fion, it's it, nobody wants scarring. Even if you're not a micropigmentation specialist, no one wants scarring. If you say to people, do you want a big, long scar on your tummy and a scar around the nipple and down and also in the anchor or... Do you want a little scar on your tummy and just a lollipop scar or even just a circumariola scar, just a circle around the nipple? Because you can do a lift that way, a Benelli or um, circumariola lift. Um, sorry. 
Um, if you say just that, they'll say, well, I have less scarring, please. I'll have the shortest, I'll have a mini tummy tuck scar and I'll have a, you know, circa mariola or a, or a lollipop scar because I don't want more scarring. No one wants more scarring and that's fine. You don't have to have more scarring. You can have less scarring. But the thing you've got to remember is that less scarring means less skins removed means less of a result. Because let's face it, let's be honest with ourselves. This surgery is basically skin removal surgery. It's skin tightening. It's body contouring surgery, and it's tightening the skin. That's why you need a breast lift. That's why you need a tummy tuck. You've got too much skin. The skin's been stretched either be either by pregnancy or weight loss, you know, typically, and uh, and then the stretching force is gone and the skin hasn't recoiled. So there's too much skin. So you need to remove skin. The more skin you remove, the more scarring you get, the tighter and the more contoured your body is, but the more scarring. So yes, so so yes, absolutely. Lollipop lifts, great. Um, mini tummy tucks, great. The other thing I've got to be honest about the uh, lollipop lift, in my hands, Fion, I hope I'm saying it right there, Fion, in my hands, and it's... Um, I find often with a lollipop, I think the, the lollipop really comes in if you're doing lift with implants because the implants are taking up some of the slack and then the, then you can adjust the uh, the amount of lift you do. But as a pure lift, I often find with a lollipop, at the bottom of the lollipop, you get a dog ear because if you can get your head around this, I don't want to get too technical, but a lollipop lift is taking skin out of my side to side direction only. So it's a scar around the nipple and then straight down. So it's only taking skin out in a side-to-side -side direction. It's not taking any skin out in an up and down direction. So when you take it up in an up-down direction as well, then that's when you get the T, the anchor scar. So when you're just doing it in a side-to-side -side direction, if you look at a lateral view of the breast, if you look at how much skin there, there's often too much skin on a, in an up-down direction as well as a side-to-side. -side. So the side-to-side -side will narrow the breast and the horizontal scar will take it from a from a in a sort of in a, in a um in a vertical direction in a sort of up down direction and so i often will put a little so you often get a dog ear you often get a dog ear at the bottom of the uh at the bottom of the vertical scar and so i will often just at the end convert to a short t which i'll just do a short t so not quite as long as a full t not like a like a breast reduction big long t but a short t and basically so I will usually, unless I'm doing a lift with implants, sometimes with a lift with implants, I'll just do a pure lollipop. But for a pure lift and certainly for a reduction, I'll do a short T. And the length of the T will be dictated by the amount of skin you have to remove. The more skin you have to remove, the longer the T. So um, if it's, you know, a breast reduction, there's a lot of skin, you might get, a, you know, full on anchor. If there's less skin, less T, less horizontal portion. But um, yeah, that, that's that's an issue, um, Fionn, with in terms of scarring versus result. Uh, similarly, with a mini tummy tuck, you know, mini tummy tuck, great, no scar around the belly button. You know, scar if you've got a cesarean, it's just a bit longer than your cesarean scar, uh, but it just really contours the skin above the pubic area above you if you've got a cesarean scar and got a bit of an overhang above the cesarean scar it's really good for fixing that that's what it's really good for it doesn't really contour the whole abdomen and it certainly doesn't do anything above the belly button because you're not making a scar on the belly button so the belly button's a sort of anchored point so you, you sometimes the belly button gets pulled down a bit looks a bit pulled down um usually settles 
but um, it just removes some skin below the belly button and it doesn't remove uh, any or, or contour anything above the belly button and you certainly can't do anything with the muscles in terms of repairing the rectus muscles with a mini tummy tuck. I say you certainly can't, you sort of can, but there's issues around it. So um, it's just, it's not, it's not a part of it. It's not a routine part of a mini tummy tuck doing anything to the muscles. So it's just for that bulge above the belly button, really. Oh, gold, what's going on? I didn't like it. Rosie, Rosie, you've got a chat coming up, I believe. Will drains come out before the patient is discharged or will they go home with them in? Uh, Rosie, uh, in my practice, Rosie, I do not send people home with the drains. I know that some people do. So just for those people out there who are maybe not, uh, there's very few people out there who maybe not be treated by me, perish the thought, but if there are anybody out there. Um, but uh, no, if you it, in my practice, I do uh not let anyone go home with the drains personally i uh always the drains always come out before you go home but there are some people out there that do let people go home with the drains um and uh so uh as i say usually it's tummy tucks and uh big breast reductions where i'm still using drains and they're usually in one night so yeah they go um and you might be able to go home um that night so, uh, sorry next day you try and not to keep them in for more than one, maybe two nights uh, in terms of the drains. Did you say previously you'd written a new book? Yes, I did, Kim. I did. Thanks for bringing that up, Kim. I haven't um, I haven't got it published. I've, I've, I'm basically on the last chapter of proofreading, which, full disclosure, I was in the last lockdown. Do you know what the problem is, Kim? I had a routine and i used to do it every thursday i used to um do some stuff in the morning i do some calls in the morning and then i go to the local to the local coffee shop down the road with my laptop and i'd do my book that's how i wrote my book every thursday i'd go down there and i'd go to the coffee shop it's just down the road and do my book but now with all this lockdown thing you can't go to the coffee shop and do your book can you that you you're in and out as quickly as you, as you like they don't they don't encourage that so i haven't been down there and if you haven't got that routine i don't know if, you, if i don't know if you can relate kim if you haven't got that routine it just doesn't get done um so i'm, I'm neglecting it i feel bad but i am neglecting my um i am neglecting my new book uh because it's finished i've written it it's completely written uh, I've got to get the artwork on it uh, and get it published. It, it, if I set my mind to it, I could have it, you know, a week and it'll be done. But um, thanks for reminding me, Kim. It's called Mind Your Own Business, How to Turn Your Private Practice into a Business Rather Than Just a Job. And it's for doctors. It's for consultants who are in private practice who want to give a better service to their patients. So it's not really for you guys. I mean, you can have a copy if you want, but it's not really sort of um it's not really your thing um lindsay uh how do you know if you need muscle repair or not um you know what lindsay a lot of plastic surgery is dictated by the patient and so if you don't think that you need it then you probably don't need it um is the first one it's a bit like you know someone comes to clinic and says right what can you do for me sort of thing and it's like well what's the problem you know because if nothing's a problem then i'm not going to do anything for you 
But if something's a problem, let's talk about it and see if I can do something for you. I'm not going to just look at someone and say, oh, God, you need this, this and this. So a lot of plastic surgery is, 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 um, is guided by the patient. But in specific answer to your question, Lindsay, because I, I appreciate that's perhaps not a very helpful answer. Um, the uh, muscle repair, it's, we do call it muscle repair. You're quite right calling it muscle repair, but you're not really repairing the muscle. <laughs> It's called muscle repair, but you're not really repairing the muscle. You're just sort of bringing them closer together. It's the rectus abdominis, the six-pack muscles. Although it looks like the six-pack muscles are going across, they don't. They actually go up and down. The, the muscle fibers go straight up and down. And there's things called tenderness intersections, which which go across ways on those muscles, which give it the appearance of the six-pack or the one-pack or the three-pack or the people five-pack. There's all different, depending on how many tenderness intersections you've got. So, um, so there's all different types of shapes of abdomens. Um, so those two muscles, as I said, they go straight down. They can be splayed apart a bit. So uh, with things that make you need a tummy tuck, which is basically pregnancy and uh, weight loss, or, or at least putting on weight, those muscles can get stretched apart. And you get what's called diverification of the recti muscles um, and um, or diastasis of the recti muscles. And uh, the way you assess that is you tense the rectus. So you would either lift your head and shoulders up, lie flat on your back, lift your head and shoulders up off the bed and feel above your belly button to feel if there's a gap. You'll feel those two rectus muscles tighten and you're feeling for a gap between them. Similarly, you could lift, uh, lie flat on the bed and do a straight leg raise, both legs straight up in the, on the bed. That will tense your recti muscles and you can feel, just feel above your belly button for a bulge. So that's how you tell if you need them to be brought back together or not. Um, and so, and you can sometimes see it, you can see the bulge when you lift your, lift your head up or lift your legs up. Um, gastric says, hi, hi gastric. Seely, you seriously need to write a book about all the procedures you do. Yeah, I've thought about it, Kim. I thought about it. I don't know if I've disclosed this to you. I think I have disclosed this on a previous Facebook Live. Theatre Blues. What do you think of that title? Is that Or is that a bit depressing? I thought that Theatre Blues. All the titles. I don't know why. I've got to have all the titles being sort of like double meaning, you know, like never accept a lift from strangers. The problem is, I think people don't know what, I think the problem with that title of that book is people don't know People look at it and think never accept a lift from strangers. It's some kind of horror or, or not horror, private detective thing or something like that. They don't realize what it's about. Same with mind your own business. I'm not sure if they know what that's about. But anyway, yeah, theatre blues, because you know the scrubs we wear are called blues. Do people know that? Is that a common knowledge? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that's... Kim, I need to get down the coffee shop if I'm going to re write that one. So um, thank you. Look at that, Kim. What, you mean this? You mean this one, Kim? Never accept to lift. Oh, is that what you want you mean there? So you see that, does that tell, does that say it's about how to choose a breast surgeon? Maybe not. Maybe I should have called it how to choose a breast surgeon. Anyway, hey-ho, is what it is. Um, right. Thank you. Welcome, Lindsay. You are welcome. Now we're getting on with our COVID 2.0 questions. Um, yeah. Will I be able to change? Right. Last question. Last question, guys. Get your questions in. 
because this guy right here is going to go and put his feet up in a minute, all right? Um, and But if you've got a question, get him in. Um, oh, Gastric's got a question. Good on you, Gastric. Uh, would I be able to have a mastopexy augmentation and a full abdominoplasty in the same procedure slot? Um, well, normally, yes. Absolutely fine. Known as a mummy makeover. Tummy, tummy surgery, breast surgery, absolutely fine to do it in on the same slot, and they, um, and that is perfectly acceptable. But as I said earlier, the problem at the moment is we are limited in the time of the surgery due to this potential problem that you might have a worse outcome from COVID if you were to develop COVID after surgery if you have a lung operation. Um, you know, I think we need, I, I, I hope that, you know, there'll be more work done on it to see whether that is the case or not, because it's certainly not a definite whether that's the case or not. But at the moment, because that has been suggested, we are limited to doing surgery for four, four hours. Um, so that would affect your ability to have this sort of surgery. So in terms of mummy makeover surgery being breast and abdominal surgery, you could potentially do some mummy makeover surgery um, in four hours, but um, it would depend on what combination you had. And it also depend on your body type. Some people, if you're a bigger person, a tummy tuck is going to take longer than on a smaller person. I know what you're going to say. You want a discount. Well, unfortunately, we don't discount it for smaller people and put the prices up for bigger people. But fact of the matter is some tummy tucks will take longer than other tummy tucks. So it depends on your body habitus. And it also depends on the combinations. And I've got to be honest, a full tummy tuck and a mastopexy augmentation, they're both quite big, um, big ops, to be fair. And I think that would be a bit of a struggle to do in um, in four hours not not impossible um if you are quite slim it might be possible um but that's going to be top end that's going to be top end of your four hours that is so i'm not sure um if that's a goer or not gastric i was talking to another surgeon's wife and we agreed we should write a book we'll do it do it gastric absolutely well don't take my title gastric this i shouldn't i shouldn't i shouldn't have said my title should i oh no i've lost it i have to think of another one don't you take my title gastric all right no you can if you want you can have it because i'll probably never write theater blues you can have it we can both write one we can both write theater blues i can do theater blues too yeah go for it yeah you write a book absolutely you should you should published author you know got a bit of a to law to law to law too late never too late never too late guess that's the thing if you put your time if you put your mind to it once the coffee shop's open you get down to the coffee shop every thursday a couple of hours get done well first of all you write it all out and then actually what i did what i did for one of them was the first one i dictated a lot of it dictated you know and then got it transcribed and then just went through it all um so that yeah that was the first one i dictated a lot of it i think the second one i typed i typed more because i was doing it at the cafe but but yeah that's quite a good way to get quite a lot of work you know pay stuff on paper is by dictating it um 
Alan Tracy Higgin. Um, I'm 52, BMI 29. Would I be okay for a TT, Mr. and Lipo? Mr. You've been on the forums, Alan. Uh, they trying to catch me out with their Mr. abbreviation before. Um, muscle repair, isn't it? Yeah, not going to get caught out this time. Mr. Butt. Yeah. Um, would I be okay for a tummy tuck? Miss, uh, yes, you would, Alan. Well, I don't know. Depends if you've got too much skin on your abdomen, I guess, which I'm assuming I'll take that as a given, given that you're asking the question. But um, um, I mean, for males, it's usually a weight loss issue. So I don't know if you've lost weight. It'd be un unusual for a male to need a tummy tuck who hasn't lost weight. Um, but if you have a um, tummy tuck, if you have if you have excess skin on your abdomen and you have separation of your recti muscles, then absolutely fine. Um, in terms of the BMI, there's two things. One's the absolute number, and 29 is fine uh, because the, anything below 30 is deemed to be sort of safer than above 30. It's not written in stone, but 30 is the sort of cutoff that we have. But the other thing I would say to you, Alan, is are you happy with your weight? And is your weight stable? You know, those are the two questions, really, because um, if your weight isn't stable and you're not happy with your weight and you want to lose weight, I would always say to you, lose weight first, because um, if you lose weight after, so, well, first of all, you're going to get better, your complications are less, the lower weight, but if you lose weight after surgery, then you could have some redundant skin there, which could have been made tighter if you had uh, had lost weight first. So, um, yeah, I would say, are you, um, are you comfortable with your weight? Is it stable? And if you've got a significant excess skin in your lower abdomen, absolutely, you uh, don't see why not, Alan. Um, but as I say, it's hard to say just based on that. But I don't know if you think you might not be okay. I don't know what part of that. I mean, 52 is fine and BMI 29 is fine. So, yeah, I don't know if you thought that one of those things would maybe make you not okay. But you, you're good to go on those on that basis, Alan. It would just be clinically whether you'd be um, appropriate. Um Rosie, what's up? Will a breast augmentation and full tummy tuck be within the four-hour limit? A breast augmentation and full tummy tuck. Um, again, Rosie, depends on who. Um, and so on you, maybe. But um, on, yeah, it depends on who because it depends on the size of the, of the, of the tummy tuck, really. Breast augmentation is always going to be about an hour. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that would be that would be yeah, that would be within the within the window. So it's just the, the augmentation with a lift adds a bit of time to it. So just a straight up augmentation would be would be there. Yeah. Naomi T Ellis, can you do breast implant slash tummy tuck via local slash twilight sedation? Naomi, you're asking there, aren't you? You are pushing the envelope, Naomi. You are pushing the envelope, girlfriend. Um, right. Can you and would you? <laughs> can you? Yeah, I reckon you can. Would you? Nah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would, Naomi. I got, I mean, we've done, we're doing more and more of these breast augmentations, breast augmentations, breast reductions, capsulectomy, things like that. Yes, 
local and station fine. Next step up from that, tummy tuck. I'd done one tummy tuck under breast uh, under local and station quite and it was quite a while ago to be honest with you, and it was great. It was fine, but tummy tuck is pushing it, but it can be done. It can be done. Um, breast implants. So you know, breast implants can be done. Tummy tuck can be done. Breast implants and tummy tuck. I mean, I guess it could be done. Uh, I guess it could be done. I'd probably, you know, it's top end for me that Naomi. I'd be like, Ooh. I don't know, Naomi. I mean, if there's a compelling reason that you really don't want to GA, um, what we would probably do is talk to the anesthetist and say, look, what do you think? Um, I mean, anesthetists are really, you know, the ones that we work with are really good. And it's almost like a GA, really, when you're having a local station, you are pretty sedated. Um, it's not like you're awake. So I reckon it is doable, Naomi, but it'd be one of those ones where I'd be thinking, I'd be chatting to these and say, what do you reckon? Um, and if you're a, if you're a sort of, um, what's the word, engaged or uh, keen, you know, that helps if your patient's on board. Oh, Abby Rigby's in the house. Well, what's happened here? Sorry. Um, we was going to call it sexy tips for scrimped, for scrippers. Gastric, what are you on about? You're going to call your book Sexy Tips for Scrimp, for Scrippers. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk to a book about plastic surgery. I was talking to another surgeon's wife and we agreed we should write a book. We was going to call it Sexy Tips for Scrimped, Scrippers. Right, so that's a different sort of book there, Gastric. I think you're on a different, I think you're in a different section of the library than I am. Different genre. Different genre. Yeah. I mean. Um, Naomi, sorry, I have a huge fear of being put to sleep. Yes, well, in that case, Naomi, and that's why I did that, uh, the tummy tuck years ago, because that patient had a huge fear of being put, in, put to sleep, and she was very motivated, and it went really well, and she was really happy, and it, and it was good. But, uh, but it is, <clears throat> it is top end of the things, but, you know, um, to be honest, at the moment, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing tummy tucks under local sedation. I'm, I'm doing them under GA. Um, I feel like I've got to move on to that. I think we will move on to it, Naomi. I think we will move on to it. But yeah, you'd be, you'd be at the, at the, at the, uh, at the forefront. But why? You know, on paper, I think it could be done, and it would need a, a discussion between cells and anesthetist and. Um, you know, if you did it somewhere where you could do a GA, then you could always convert to GA if it's uncomfortable. Uh, that would be the other thing. So, um, on that note, any other questions? I think I'm out. I'm out with my coronavirus lockdown 2.0 questions. I've done that one, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah, I'm out. 3rd of November. Can you believe that? It's madness. So, um, right. Well, if you have any questions, please let me know. And I will answer them because I'm going to be right here next week 
lockdown 2.0 ain't going to stop this guy, okay? He's going to be here next week answering your questions and your questions about anything lockdown-related, plastic surgery-related, local anesthetic insulation-related, you name it, I'll answer it. So please, oh, Kim's in. Kim's in at the last minute. Come on, Kim, what you got? One thing I was wondering, but not sure if it's a stupid question. In your last book, you mentioned about checking to make sure your surgeon is properly qualified. But what about anaesthetists? Very good question, Kim. Thank you for that question. And that is a good question. The, the problem and the reason I wrote the book about plastic surgery and plastic surgery training and making sure your surgeon's qualified is because we have a pretty much a unique problem with plastic surgery. It's like if you go and have your hip replaced or if you go and have your cataracts done, you don't really have to check that your surgeon is a fully trained orthopedic surgeon or a fully trained ophthalmic surgeon. Because basically, it's only ophthalmic surgeons and orthopedic surgeons. You know, ophthalmic surgeons do cataracts, orthopedic surgeons do hip replacements, cardiac surgeons do heart valve replacements, neurosurgeons do brain tumor removal. You know, most uh, um, realms of surgery, the, there's, they don't have competition. You know, there's not another type of surgeon that decides they're going to, oh, I'm going to take brain tumors out. You know, I'm a plastic surgeon. I'll do brain tumor removals or I'm going to do hip replacements. You know, that just doesn't happen. Um, similarly with anesthetists, there's no real sort of non... I mean, could there be? I mean, I guess there could be, but, you know, most surgeons will use fully trained anesthetists who usually work in the NHS. So it's not so much of a thing that there's anesthetists out there giving anesthetics who aren't trained. That's not really a problem in this country. Whereas people out there doing plastic surgery who aren't trained is pretty huge. Um, there's a lot of people who aren't uh, trained or aren't I've either haven't finished their training or some even haven't even started their training and done any training or maybe trained in something else. As I say, they may be trained in general surgery or ENT surgery or A&E or some other surgical specialty or not even a surgical specialty, you know. Um, I'll be a GP or dermatologist or whatever. They might be training something else and they're doing plastic surgery things. Now, sometimes they'll be within their remit, like rhinoplasty, for instance, nose jobs. ENT surgeons, perfectly reasonable for ENT surgeons to be doing nose jobs and ears, you know, prominent ears. And, you know, eye surgeons will perfectly reasonable be doing blepharoplasties. So sometimes other surgeons do do sort of plastic surgery procedures, and that's fine. And I and I talk about that in the book, but, but it's when the ENT surgeon does the breast augmentation or, you know, when the eye surgeon does the, you know, does the rhinoplasty or, you know, whatever, that that's the problem when the, the surgeon's not trained in that field starts doing stuff. And breast surgery is a big one, to be honest with you, because breast surgery is quite a um, popular surgery. And the other problem we've got is that people will often search for a surgeon online you wouldn't tend to search for a general surgeon or a brain surgeon <clears throat> or an orthopedic surgeon or whatever online. You'd usually go through your GP. By and large, people go through their GP if they're having their brain tumor removed or their, you know, hip replaced or whatever. 
about plastic surgery, people tend to, to, to seek to seek help online and therefore people can put up a website and say, I'm a brain surgeon, even though they're a plastic surgeon, you know, and I'll take your brain tumor out. Come and we get it, get it done this month and we'll give you a discount half price. Buy one, get one free, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Um, that doesn't happen for anesthetists. So you don't have to worry so much about you. So if you find your fully trained plastic surgeon, they're unlikely to be using a non-fully trained anesthetist. I think most fully trained plastic surgeons will use fully trained anesthetists who they've worked with usually in the NHS and uh, they usually, the anesthetists usually have NHS contracts, have or have had an NHS contract. Um, certainly all the anesthetists I have ever worked with have or have had an NHS um, contract. Some have left the NHS like myself. I've left the NHS, but I used to be a full-time permanent consultant in uh, plastic surgery in the NHS. So great question, Kim. And uh, in answer to that, no, you don't have to worry too much about your anesthetist. Um, if you get your good, get your proper plastic surgeon, you'll be all right. Thank you, for, Kim. I'm up for it. You know, I'm, I'm hanging. I'm waiting for a late question. I'm all over it. So um, thank you for that, Kim. Keep up the good work. And I will look forward to seeing you and everyone else right here, 7 p.m. Tuesday night. Have a good evening and uh, see you next week. I'm going to check out of here. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.